I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 298. Okay, so Colby and I finally put up the inside Christmas decorations. We haven't done the outside yet, but we've done the inside. Well, I think the time that you were doing the inside, it was raining. And now it's like going to be raining. Yes, I know. I'm like doomed. I said that to Colby today because he said, I think it's going to be raining Saturday morning. I was like, oh, we're never going to get to put the outside stuff up. (laughs) Because you're like me and we feel like Christmas is next week. Well, it feels like that too, because uh, I don't think I told y'all yet, but the second week of December, Colby and I are going on our first getaway all by ourselves. Honeymoon. I am so excited. We've gone on quite a few trips together, but never alone. Like it's always been with Donna and Tiffany for podcast stuff or like to the beach with my family or a cruise or something like that. We've never like gone on a pure vacation ourselves. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so excited. We're going to the mountains uh, in Tennessee. We're staying in Sevierville. Pretty sure that's how you say it. That's where Dolly Parton's from. And uh, we have a little cabin. It's got like a jacuzzi, a pool table, and uh, a hammock that I will video myself or I'll get Colby to video me sitting in because we all know I'm going to fall. That's hilarious. But I'm super excited. And they have like a year-round Christmas store there. Last time I went, I spent a small fortune on my village because there's like a whole room in this I don't even know what it is, but it's like maybe like an outlet type thing. Unsure. The first time, well, the only time I've ever been, it was a blur because I went to this one shop that is only Christmas Village things. And I think I blacked out on how much money I spent. So stay tuned. But all of that to say, Christmas decorations are up and I got an ornament tracker. Like I'm keeping track of how many ornaments Jax eats. I was like, what kind of machine is that? (laughs) I have like little tiles in every (laughs) single ornament to see where he hides them. No, he doesn't hide them. He eats them and leaves them out. We're five down. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) She hasn't told us all of that. She told us she was like one down. So yeah, he's been having fun. (laughs) We're we're five down. Y'all know I get my house cleaned every two weeks and uh, she came today. And it was just like, well, I was like, I think, I swear, I was like praising him. Like, you did so good today. Because I saw an ornament that she had set out. Because if he eats one, she just sets it out. So like, hey, I didn't break this. He ate yeah. this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which obviously it wouldn't care if she did. But uh, yeah, I was like, damn it, Jax. And then he just like looks at you and looks away, looks at you, looks away, looks at you, looks away. And just waits. <laughs> But while we were putting the decorations up, my ornament trackers, too. I broke two this year. (laughs) So I think I'm doing better than last year because I think last year I broke a snow globe, too. My one and only snow globe. See, you have the fancy ones. I have shatterproof or whatever. No, the snow globe was from the dollar store. But it's glass. Well, I mean, it's the Dollar General, not the Dollar Tree. (laughs) true (laughs) but all the glass ones that i got i got them from ual that's like urban something liquidators i don't know it's uh all for extra small and small pizzas the clothes but they have a home section and they usually have pretty good discounts in there and that's where i got all those but literally this year i was putting up an ornament and i was like this ornament is my absolute 
favorite stuck it on the tree crash and it broke oh my god like i'm talking i literally said this ornament is my favorite hook fall then stabbed my finger with a shard of glass trying to clean it up oh god <laughs> Jesus like look you still see my hole i do <laughs> <laughs> like it's still like it looks like i tried to like take my blood sugar uh-huh so tis the season it was hard putting up decorations this year though I already told Donna this, but like, I think even though last Christmas was my first Christmas without my dad, it was only, you know, six months after he passed and Christmas really was his like absolute favorite. And so last year was hard, but I think I was still so shocked slash numb, not numb, I guess is not the word, but just like going through the motions that this year hit me harder. I cried like, I don't know eight times while we were putting up decorations. So my niece, Allie, she loves when I do the Grinch impersonations. Like she'll go up to me and she'll be like, it's the, 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 you know, so I can do it. And um, so I sent my sister a little clip from last week uh, of me doing the Grinch. And she said, Allie was dying laughing. And she texted me tonight and she said that they were watching the soft Grinch which means the animated Grinch. I not- almost said <laughs> the animated one. Yeah. So they were watching the soft Grinch and that she said uh, that Allie would just randomly look at her and go, I just want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not the only one who loved it. Yes. And so, hello, I'm telling you, when I say <laughs> you're amazing at it, like you embodied the Grinch, okay? <laughs> Like, so many people commented on Facebook about, like, that that part cracked them up and that she was so good at it. And I'm like, that's what I'm telling her. And like a true best friend, she didn't believe me, but she believes all of y'all. Well, maybe I'll get some work. Like, you know how Tom Hanks' brother does his voiceovers? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if Jim Carrey ever gets bored, I can get some voiceover work. You're a voice actor? Just for the Grinch. Yeah. Literally just for the Grinch. And it's a one-shot deal. Like, I can only say, like, three words. I can't read a whole line. Like, you cannot give me a monologue because I won't be able to do it. And you can't watch me while I do it because then I won't be able to do it either. (laughs) Well, I have nothing to say other than no one, and I mean no one, was excited for Love Island, Australia. No one said, oh, my God, me too, any of that, right? And you were like, could care less. But you know who did? I told my manager and she was like, oh, shit, I got to watch that. And then she told me that on Peacock, there's a Love Island Games. And so she was like, it's just like what we like, all the drama, but also like it's like a challenge kind of thing. And so now I'm starting to watch that, too, because I'm caught up on Hulu and I'm having to wait like every other week, you know, to watch the dang Australian episode. So I'm like, I'm so glad that we're addicted to the same, you know, reality TV. Yes. Well, did I tell y'all that I've like started back watching Call the Midwife? Cause I realized there was like three seasons on Netflix that I didn't know had come to Netflix yet. <laughs> no, but you told me. So Colby had gone hunting and I was watching it. Well, when he got home, he's like talking to me and I'm like, pause it, you know, trying to like finish it but he's coming home telling me all the things and um i was like okay well let me just finish this episode and it was like the end of a season so it was like the cliffhanger and the next day he goes don't judge me and he put it back on the midwife 
I freaking love that. He goes, I gotta know what happened with the train. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, we watched the new Adam Sandler movie Leo on Netflix. Y'all, it is so freaking cute. I will say, I did fast forward through some of the songs. Adam Sandler is Leo, and he is a lizard that is a class pet. And he shares a cage with, or a case, whatever, aquarium, terrarium, whatever the fuck it is, with a turtle. And they're the class pets, but they talk. Like, they actually talk. And it's just really cute. Y'all have to watch it. I think it's kid-friendly. Um... A couple of my coworkers and stuff said that their kids watched it and it was fine. There were a couple of adult jokes. I was like, oh, but, you know, they describe all the kids like, oh, it's the blah, blah, blah kid or the blah, blah, blah kid. You know, oh, so good one, Carrie. Well, I don't I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, so nice. I'm just trying because some of that's funny. But one of them was a kid that was a little clingy to the teacher. Why are you looking over here at me? No, but they said, oh, it's the uh, like the kids that the parents are going through divorce. And I was like, oh. Yeah. That one was kind of like, oh, that's a little too adulty, you know? <laughs> but overall, it was so cute. Like, Colby said, I don't think I've heard you laugh that much at a movie in a long time. I haven't heard about it, so I'm excited. The other thing that I'm super excited about, other than all the TV shows in Christmas, Patreoners! So thank you so much, Karen V. from California. Brandy L. from Arizona. Tiffany from California. And Catherine A. from California. California was representing this week. Hey, if y'all want an extra episode a week like these awesome people are getting, you got to head over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. By the by, it might make a really good Christmas present for somebody. I concur on that one. Y'all posting all of your end of year review things from your, uh, almost said Snapchat. No, Spotify. Spotify, that thing. Yeah, y'all are so hip. Holy crap at the number of minutes that y'all freaking listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's. Like, I can't fathom someone listening to us for that many minutes. And it's really humbling and all the things like, I loved seeing that, seriously. Christina G in the Facebook group, she was the most that I saw out of anybody. She listened to us 123,084 minutes. Woo! That's like 85 days. I did the math. Oh, shit. I was glad you did because I sure didn't. Well, I may be wrong. Okay. Well, because I said, okay, there's 60 minutes in an hour yes. and there's 24 hours in a day, right? Yes. So then I divided the total minutes by that number, right? 123,000 divided by the uh, 1440 is 85. Oh, okay. 85 days. Holy shit. I was like, golly, Christina must listen to us. She must like have either the longest commute or work from home or, you know, like work yeah. cleaning houses or something like that where you can literally have earbuds beats whatever in all day long yeah or she listens while she goes to sleep because i did true see some people say that and i'm like hey it counts thank you <laughs> my co-worker's husband would listen when he went to sleep until two things happened one time our laugh woke him up duh but the other thing was the music like it woke him up the intro music and it scared him <laughs> <laughs> him and dogs <laughs> The laugh, you mean? Or the music? <laughs> the music. The music it, scares dogs? Not, it doesn't scare them. But like if people say like the, it sounds like a knock. And so oh, their dogs are like. Oh, okay. Okay. I get it. <laughs> I thought you meant our laughs because they're so high pitched. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that, that too. too. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Before we get into the episode, we have to talk about real paper. You want to talk about a good Christmas present? A subscription of freaking luxurious toilet paper that comes to their door? Sign me up. Actually, I'm already signed up, but that would be an amazing, amazing gift. Or for an anniversary, isn't there a paper anniversary? Yeah, the first year is paper. I'm just saying. Now, we know Donna's been naughty all year, but she's not getting coal. Terrible for the environment. But you know what isn't? Bamboo toilet paper. Bamboo toilet paper. And who has that? Real paper. That's right. You've heard us talk about, though, why is bamboo so great? Think of bamboo like grass. When you go to use it for making toilet paper or anything like that, you cut it off like you're mowing grass. So it just grows back. Versus when you're using a tree to make paper, you have to cut the tree down. It doesn't grow back. You have to plant another one, wait for it to grow back, all the things. Whereas bamboo just constantly regenerates. And the thing about bamboo, too, is that it's strong, but it's soft. If you've ever had like bamboo sheets and all of that, you know it's super soft. This is that, but on your bum. And we've recommended real in our real life to people, not just on the podcast. And we always get great feedback from the people who get it. They talk about how it really does feel luxurious. It doesn't leave remnants on your bum. You know, like you wipe clean, all of that. And just like us, they love the individual wrapping and all of that because you're getting so much bang for your buck with real toilet paper. And did I mention that it's shipped to your door? And it's always shipped free. That's a big part. And it's in plastic-free packaging. Real papers available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions or for a one-time purchase from their website. If you're just not quite sure if you're going to love it enough to get a subscription, I mean, you will. But, you know, you might not be so sure about it. You can still do a one-time purchase. It doesn't have to be subscription, even though the subscription is where it's at. I am telling y'all, since they were a sponsor the first time, I have never stopped getting and using real paper. If you could be a fangirl for toilet paper, that's me for real paper. She's not lying, y'all. She really tells everyone. And we're telling y'all how awesome real paper is. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping in 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. And you guys can get 30% off your first order. All you have to do is head over to realpaper.com slash creep and sign up for a subscription using the code creep at checkout. And you'll automatically get 30% off your first order and, of course, free shipping. I forgot to tell y'all, when my sister was down, she had to change the toilet paper out in the bathroom. And she said, Donna, do you want me to change it to the stolen toilet paper? (laughs) And I was like, what stolen toilet paper? She said, you got it from a really nice hotel. And I was like, no, that's real toilet paper. That is real paper. Come on. But she was like, that's stolen toilet paper? (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't put it past you. (laughs) But with real paper, you really do get a great product, affordable. So that is R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R dot com slash creep and sign up for a subscription using code creep at checkout and you'll automatically get 30% off your first order. And again, free shipping. So let's make a change for good this year and switch to real paper. Real is the paper for the planet. Head on over to realpaper.com slash creep and enter promo code creep for 30% off your first order. 
Okay, before we go any further, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy has been so great for me, and I did it through BetterHelp. And we all know seasonal depression is a thing, and just the holidays in general and everything, and there's no shame in needing help, and BetterHelp is there to help you. I can say that using BetterHelp really has, well, helped me. Holidays equal hanging out with people who can oftentimes be your triggers. So this is a really great time to invest in yourself and prepare yourself for the upcoming holidays, the people you may see, and the things that it may bring up for you. That's so true because like holidays are so divisive because there's people like me who don't have a lot of family to celebrate with, and that can be hard. But then there's other people who have family and that stresses them out because they know going to it, they're going to be asked questions that they don't want to answer. They're going to, you know, have to do whatever. And it's just like, that's a lot of stress. So you have it on both sides of the fence. So why not give yourself the gift that keeps on giving throughout the year? And I know self-care is such a buzzword, but it is so true because we're our hardest critics. And so we do need to show ourselves some grace. And sometimes it's hard to do that. So BetterHelp is there for you to connect with a therapist that's going to help you be more self-reflective. Or teach you coping skills. Or that's probably one of the biggest things that I've gotten during my time of therapy is coping with things that people may say or do and how I internalize that and let that have an effect on me. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. There's no more taking off work to leave, to go sit and wait in an office for your turn to be seen, to then have to go back in, clock into work, and you've now missed almost two hours of work. You don't have to do that with BetterHelp. Again, it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. But here's the thing. If you don't jive with your therapist, you can switch them at any time for no additional charge. That's a big relief for me because, you know, you just don't mesh well with everybody. And sometimes people just don't get you. And BetterHelp completely understands that. And they will let you switch therapists, like Donna said, at any time with no additional charge. So in this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com APC to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash APC. Okay, my story this week is from a listener. She emailed it to us, I don't know, a million years ago, but her name is Donna C. This story is going to kind of start out like Donna's. Look at that. Okay. It's from a Donna and I'm starting out like our Donna. I mean, could it get any better? I'm going to give you a little bit of the history. There are entire articles written about the history of this area and this specifically this house that I'm going to talk about. It's not haunted. I swear. Well, maybe haunted. I don't know. But that's not what my story is about. Although this is really sounding like one of Donna's stories because I'm talking about a house. But I do know that Southern Fried True Crime does a story on this. And she does a really good job of going into the details of the history of the house. And again, there's like whole articles on just the history of his house because the um, it's just so rich with this family lineage. So we're talking about an area in Arkansas that's about 30 minutes from Memphis. 
There was a guy, Robert Snowden, who was born in 1986, and he grew up around the area, and he met a lady named Grace. Now, they were going to marry, because in this area, the Snowdens were a really prominent family. The Snowdens, the McKays, and the, um, oh shit, I can't remember the last name. They're the ones that built the Peabody Hotel in Memphis. The ones with the peacocks that come out. It's not peacocks. What is it? Ducks. Same thing. It might not be ducks, but I know it's not peacocks. No, I think you're right. It is ducks. Geese. Geese. Those are, right? Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, it's a very prominent hotel in Memphis that when we went to Memphis for Tiffany's 30th birthday, because for some reason, this girl wanted to go to Memphis for her 30th birthday. This this was like her, like riding on the riverboat was like one of her bucket list things we checked off there. We went to Graceland. We did all the things. Donna's literally covering her face. We went and had her fancy schmancy meal at the uh, Peabody and <laughs> the tables were kind of close together and we're all three very big extra large pizzas and the seats had armrests. <laughs> They're not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany sits down. I sit down. Donna's sitting down across from us and... Or was Tiffany? It doesn't matter. Anyway, so Donna went to sit down, so, like, was trying to not bump the people behind her. No, it wasn't the people. It was... Uh, the chair was heavy. You could What was it? <laughs> no, there was, like, the server thing. So there was, like, a, a wall. Cart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Donna didn't slide her chair out far enough, and she literally <laughs> tumbled into her chair, and her leg was hanging over the leg rest like a fucking marionette doll just swinging... <laughs> <laughs> like just in this nice restaurant i didn't like, know they were gonna have because i didn't see that they had uh arm rest, arm rest yeah. they were kind of low yeah and so <laughs> i didn't I, she just yeah. went to sit down like a regular chair and it's like oh an arm rest so when they fall <laughs> and just her little leg just swinging like a marionette doll <laughs> oh god okay and that waiter did not get us. No, because we were dying laughing. And he was like, what? <laughs> okay. So also, I should say, this guy goes by Bob. But he's like the second generation. He's a junior. All the things. So we're kind of starting in the middle here. Well, they were going to get married. But the First World War broke out. And Bob had to go be a pilot. So Grace volunteered as a nurse. And after the war, they got married. So Bob was like... I want to be a farmer, but like, again, very well-to-do families. So he literally flies over this area and picks like what land he wants their farm to be on. So in 1918, the Horseshoe Plantation was born. So now it's called the Snowden House. You know, it started out as a very small kind of fishing cabin on like, I'm talking like a thousand acres. This is a very huge plot of land. Holy shit. Right. And after, because it even, I'm kind of confused as to how this all came about in the family too. Because it was like, this had like the seniors owned it because that was through like the Civil War. It had um like tenement farmers on there and stuff. But then it's like, but Junior flew over and picked out what Landy wanted. But so I'm like, is it all the same? Not the same? Not really sure. But as Bob and Grace started having more and more kids, it was like, okay, this little fish house isn't enough. So they built a very grand house. In late 40s, they hired a guy named Everett R. Wood, who was like apparently one of Memphis's um, like pr most prominent architects. 
to build this 6,000 square foot home. Well, that puts Graceland to shame. Oh, this house is freaking enormous. It's three stories. The house, the outside of it, was literally used in the movie The Client. So in 1982, Bob passed away. And then in 89, his wife Grace passed away. When they passed away, the house and like all the property went to the family. They had created like a a corporation. They called themselves like the big partnership or the company. And basically that was like the three daughters of theirs that owned it and managed it. They split out some of the land that they just kind of got outright, but the rest of it was managed by the quote company. And their daughter, Sally McKay, was like the manager of that property and the company. Now, this house through the years has been many things. It's been like bed and breakfast. It's been places that people have weddings and parties and all the things. And on the property, there were other houses, from what I understand, that people kind of like rented and stuff. And some of the people who lived there worked for the house. But in the 90s, Sally lived there. And Sally's nephew, Lee Baker, lived, started living on the property as well. Now, Lee was a very, like they call him like a distinctive guitarist. He was very well known in the Memphis area as a blues guitarist. But not long before this story takes place, Lee's house had actually burned down. Now, it made it sound like the house that Lee lived in burned down on the property. But then I saw some stuff that said he lived like in another state and it burned down. And so he came to live on the property because the house had burned down. But it was like this huge thing that his house burned down because he had a lot of um, original music, like from big name people, their original music that burned down with it. Like he just had a lot of memorabilia and all these one of a kind things that burned down in his house. So it was really devastating. You know, you're rich when. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You got first like original anything. First edition anything. Yeah. Yeah. So Lee was um, Sally's sister's son. Either way, whatever, wherever his house was that burned down, that brought Lee to the property and he would kind of help Sally out while he was getting everything back together. So he would go with Sally while they collected rent from the people living on the property and whatnot. This area is called the Horseshoe Lake. Now this is right off of, it's like the Mississippi River. This area was a really great place to develop all this. It became such a, like a huge kind of, not I'll say huge, but like a booming area where the Snowdens were kind of the first people to settle it. Well, sans the Native Americans, but that's a whole nother thing. But kind of the first people to like build the house, all of that. And then more people started building and farming cotton and all of that. Because at first they were like, oh, this isn't very great because of how the Mississippi River will, you know, it'll flood and it'll drought and it'll flood and it'll drop. But then they realized how much it like replenished everything and it was really great for cotton. So this is in Horseshoe Lake, Arkansas. So on September 10th, 1996, Sally and Lee were going about their business, doing all the things that they do together. They were going to the bank, getting rent, all of that. Well, later, a guy sees a car and he thought this car looked really out of place. It looked like it had been in a car wreck, but the engine was going. And so he went right down the street to this store to be like, do you know whose car this is? 
And the guy was like, yeah, that's Sally's car, but she's never down this road. Wait, what, what's going on? So they were like, well, that's weird. So they go to the house to see if Sally's there. Because again, clearly this was in an accident. Like, I think it had even flipped. So it was in a bad accident. Well, when they get there, they see Lee's truck is like backed up to the house to where you couldn't get in the door from the tailgate, you know, backed up to the house. So they're like, that's weird. And then they start smelling smoke. So they call for first responders, fire police, all the things, because they know that the house is on fire. Uh, the first responders get there pretty quickly, and I, I don't think much of the house was even burned. When they get in there, they see Sally and Lee had been killed. They had both been shot. And it was like, what the fuck? Who did this? Who would have done this? So, you know, it's 1996. They've got a little bit of DNA action going on. So they do check the car for DNA to see, okay, who drove this car to get it over here? And they were canvassing the area. And to be honest, I'm not really sure how police got on this trail. The police started questioning a guy named Edric Smith. Now, Edric had a brother named Travis Lewis. And Travis was friends with... Joe, I know this is a lot of people, but Joe is Lee's son because, you know, Lee's family moved to the property, his wife and his kids. And so Travis and his mom lived on the property too. So Travis was like 15, 16 years old, but his mom worked as like a, a housekeeper and all of that for the big house. So they started questioning Edric because someone had said that they had seen two black men. Of course they did. Now, Travis had a few run-ins with the law, like some thievery, that kind of thing. And they knew that Travis had actually stolen from the family before. One article said that he even tried to cash one of Sally's checks. So the police start questioning them. So at first, Travis says that he and one of his friends robbed the house and that his friend killed them. But then he was like, we tried to move the bodies. It was too heavy. So then they set the fire. But the friend that he tried to implicate was not part of it. And they were able to prove that he wasn't because he actually was um, like because of the guy, the kid's probation officer. Like they were able to be like, no, he was like meeting with his probation officer or something like that. So, no, it literally could not have been him. What kind of friend are you when you're like, yeah, me and this person killed these people? Right. Like, what the fuck? Well, Travis took a polygraph and passed it, though. But he definitely puts himself even there. Well, DNA puts him in the car. So I'm guessing maybe, you know, he did it and then panicked. Nothing really ever said about the car, but I'm guessing he panicked and stole the car and like drove off and then wrecked because he's 16 years old and not a good driver and just freaking murdered someone, you know. But the police had found out that Travis had actually been suspended from school on the day of the murder. He could have actually done it because he wasn't in school all day. And he could have passed a lie detector test because he's a psychopath. Correct. It seems like Travis's whole story is, yeah, they went to rob it, but the friend that was with him is the one who actually killed them. So the prosecution actually offers him a plea deal because they are charging Travis, even though he's 16, as an adult. So if this goes to trial, the death penalty is on the table. Now, the Snowden-McKay family are all against the death penalty, so they don't want that for him. So the prosecution, like I said, offers him a plea deal. They said, look, you'll get 28 and a half years for the murder and then five for the robbery and 
you'll be eligible for parole after you just serve 70% of the sentence. Travis Lewis accepts the plea deal. And I didn't tell you their ages, but Sally was 75 and Lee was only 52 when they were murdered. After Sally died in 96, the sister, Edie, took over managing the house. But this was really hard for her to do. After Sally's death, Martha McKay, who was Sally's daughter, she was really known for fixing up really big homes, like bringing them back to life, to their original glory. That's called restoring. Yeah. Look, I having a hard time with words tonight. Y'all should have heard me trying to think of the word anti a second ago. Martha really loved that house because it meant so much to her and her childhood. Even though she really grew up in San Francisco, she spent all of her summers there. She really wanted to come back home. So Martha ended up buying the house from the family. During Martha's time of owning it, she restored a lot of it and opened it back up and again, just brought this house back to life, kind of moved on from this awful time that it went through with Sally and Lee's murder. And the home really started growing again and, you know, bed and breakfast type stuff, you know, everything that you think of a big home like this. She was featured in different magazines for the home and talking about her family lineage and how it all came to be. While all this is happening, Martha, being a Buddhist, was all about forgiveness and healing. So she actually got in contact with Travis while he was in prison for her mother and uncle's murder. She decided that she should forgive him and be kind to him. And they actually exchanged letters, and she even went and saw him a couple of times which is nothing that I could do. Like, I I couldn't do that. No, the only thing I can hold for a long time is a grudge. True. It surely ate my bladder. But I think I could forgive, like, you. Like, let's say that you, something happened and you lost it and you, like, killed my mother. I think I could forgive you more than a stranger. Hence that she didn't say Colby, because if I killed Colby, there's no coming back. Well, this story is about her mother. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You keep saying that. (laughs) But even then, I don't think I can forgive someone, especially my mama. Oh, I know. I know. But like, I don't care who you are. Like, you dead to me then because you made my mom dead. Well, I think that's why I say if it was somebody like you, like if it was somebody I knew, then it was probably because there was some sort of breakdown. You know, like they probably literally had some sort of mental breakdown that caused that murder to happen. You know, I mean, I don't think I'm friends with any sociopaths, you know, versus a stranger that killed my mother, even though he wasn't a total stranger because he lived on the property and all. And his mother literally worked for them and continued to work for them while he was in prison. Oh, my gosh. Also, I was just thinking, what an asshole, though, for him to have stolen from Sally When that's his mom's Uh job. uh And I'm like, she could have lost her fucking job and like y'all's house and shit since you were living on the property. Well, and honestly, good for them for not punishing the mother for his crimes. You know, like, because she's, I mean, she's lost everything. She lost her son and then she could have potentially lost her job, her house or everything. Yeah. But in 2018, Travis actually got paroled. He was in prison for 20 years. And when Travis got out of prison, Martha gave him a job and a place to live on their property. So he and his mom were both living on the land 
and working for Martha. Yeah, I could not do that. Well, this worked for a while. It really did. But then one day, Gladys, who was Travis's mother, told Martha, look, stay away from Travis. Her quote, going back to his old ways and like just steer clear because he's up to no good. He was up to no good. So Travis was at the house the day that Martha had a big old chunk of money. So Martha had sold a chandelier from the house for $10,000. I want to know what the chandelier looked like and who has $10,000 to buy a chandelier. Who has $10,000? Touche. Martha sells a chandelier and gets cash for it. She just hides the cash in the house, I guess, maybe until she can do something with it. Well, Travis knew because he was there when she got the money. Well, all of a sudden, the money went missing. Martha knew it was Travis. Like, she knew it was. There was no, I mean, there was literally nobody else. It had to have been him. Martha fired Travis. Well, March 25th of 2020, the police respond to an alarm going off at the house. When they get there, they see the back door open and they hear some footsteps on the second floor. When all this is happening, they find Martha at the top of the stairs dead. Oh my gosh. She had been stabbed and bludgeoned to death. Fuck. So while this is going on, they hear somebody on the second floor. They see the person jump out of the window and run and get into their car. But the car, when they're trying to race off, gets stuck like in the mud, basically. So they jump out of the car, take off running, and there's literally nowhere for them to go but the lake. And it is ice cold. They jump into the lake and drown. Holy shit. Now, when the authorities get to Martha's body, they see, like I said, she'd been stabbed. She'd been bludgeoned to death. They find a bag at the top of the stairs that had a lot of valuables and a bloody kitchen knife. Um, Some stuff said that she was wrapped in a blanket, but that I'm not 100% sure about that. But, you know, when this person dove into the lake, they're literally waiting for them to come up and they never do. They call for help and they end up using sonar on the lake and find the body pull it up, and to their surprise, it's Travis Lewis. God. So he literally killed Sally and like 24 years later, killed her daughter, Martha. That is wild. But also not to take away from this, I'm just thinking you weren't saying who it was. So I didn't want to assume. Right. But when you said they jumped out and like their car got stuck or whatever, I was like, God, again? Right. Like, it's literally the same M.O. Yeah. So when they did the autopsy on Travis, they found that he had cocaine, he had methamphetamine, he had pot, he had all of that in his system. So yes, he was very much back up to his old ways and was pretty fucked up. I mean, cocaine and meth, that's a lot. And pot. It's like he had uppers and downers and i mean his body didn't know which way to go right but no wonder he drowned because with all those drugs in the system he really probably didn't know which way was up when he was trying to swim yeah because they say you know even in the ocean and stuff sometimes it's really easy to get lost yeah when it's dark so it's I was picturing it dark. I actually don't know exactly what time it is, but in this story, I'm picturing it dark. So he wouldn't be able to know, especially if he was so fucked up on drugs. Yeah. Well, and just thinking about if it's freezing, like he jumps in that, 
that's like such a shock to the system. Yes, takes your breath away. Yeah. So we really don't know why he did this. We don't know if he had gone in like a revenge to kill her for firing him, for taking the money. And then it was like an afterthought of the, oh, let me steal these things. Or if he really went to steal things like the first time and got caught, because that's what happened with Lee and Sally's murder, is he went to steal things and got caught. But he never admitted to the murders. He always maintained that there was somebody else with him, but nothing ever came to fruition with that. Yeah. But here's my thing about it, though. Okay, so if he used a knife from the kitchen, it didn't seem very planned. But I don't know what point Martha tripped the alarm. Like, she saw him and hit it because it was clearly fast enough that the police got there and he was still in the house. Right. And was she really wrapped in a blanket? So did he panic, stab her, her hit the alarm, run up the stairs trying to get away from him, and that's when he, like, beat her or whatever, and then remorsefully wrapped her in the blanket? I don't know. But then why didn't he take the things he was stealing? Or did he start to gather them up and then the police got there and then he was like, fuck, and left? I don't know. And we'll literally never know. Also, what the parkour that he jumped out of the second story window and like was gone, like got in his car and stuff. Like, not me. I don't jump on a flat land without my stomach clapping for me. So, (laughs) and that's the story of the house on Horseshoe Lake. Wow, that's so sad. And like, it's so easy to think like, God, Martha shouldn't have done that. But it's not. It's not on her. Right. Like she was giving him forgiveness and, you know, giving him grace and his mom grace and all of that. And it's all on him. Like if you truly believe prison rehabilitates you and all of that, like that's on him. Yeah, he definitely squandered his second chance for sure. And like, I think after that, his mom broke ties with him and everything. Well, and he's lucky that she didn't try to press charges and do something about Mm -hmm. that, you know? And I say lucky, but you know what I mean? Like, at that point, she didn't do anything of that nature. Because, I mean, from my understanding, if she would have, that would have sent him back to prison for the rest of his sentence. Like, if you break parole, you go back and finish your sentence. Yeah. And maybe that's why he killed her, too, though. That may be why he wanted to kill her so that he wouldn't have to go back for those eight years. But, I mean, surely you would have thought that you're going to be the one the police come ask questions to, right? Right. Okay, before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Miracle Maid. Winter is here, and that means time to snuggle in the right temperature. Well, and you can snuggle because you are the right temperature. Because if you're anything like me, you want extra like warmth. But then if someone's next to you, it's too warm with all the covers, all the things. But if you run warm like me, Miracle Made sheets are perfect. Or if you run cool, that's what's so great about them. Miracle Made keeps you the perfect temperature all night long because it is silver infused bed sheets that were inspired by NASA. So you know it's real smart. For real. And we can attest to. Them really regulating your body temperature. But the thing that I like most about them, besides that they're just so snuggly and soft, is their self-cleaning. Because like Carrie said, the sheets are infused with silver, and that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So that leaves them staying cleaner and fresh three times longer 
than other sheets. Because traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat. What does that mean for you? That means it can lead to acne, allergies, stuffy nose, and it's freaking gross. Miracle Made has an entire line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, not just sheets, pillowcases, comforters, all the things, like Donna said, prevent 99% of bacteria. That means you have to do laundry three times less. With Miracle Made bedding, you're not compromising quality or comfort for the cleaning either. These sheets are so soft and luxurious. They don't have the high price tag like other luxury brands. And when I tell you the first night we put these sheets on the bed, Colby literally got in them and was like, are these our new sheets? And I was like, yeah. He said, they're awesome. (laughs) I mean, if it's Colby approved, I'm here for it. Also, because he does sleep next to you and you are a furnace. He is too. Don't let him fool you. And the temperature that you sleep at night has some of the biggest effects on your sleep quality. So running too hot or too cold is really detrimental to your sleep. So Miracle Made is here to fix that. It is the perfect holiday gift for a spouse, friends, family. Who doesn't want to sleep better and luxurious feeling sheets? And right now, when you get them, it comes with three free towels. You get two gifts in one. And they got to know that you just got those towels with it. They just think that they're getting two gifts in one. So go to trymiracle.com slash creep and you're going to save 40%. And if you use the promo code creep at checkout, you're going to get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle Made is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll be surprised, but you'll get a full refund. So upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash creep and use the promo code creep to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash creep to treat yourself, a friend, a loved one, heck, even your pet. It's the holiday season, y'all. Y'all, Babel is back. And you know what? It's the holiday season. And maybe you have a new partner whose family speaks a different language than you. Maybe you just want to impress your family when you go back home from living somewhere fancy. And you want to be like, oh, I speak a new language. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Heck, maybe you want to travel for the holidays to a different country and you want to speak the language. Well, instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor, or fooling yourself with other language apps that are little more than games. Babbel has quick 10-minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. So you got to get on it in time for the holidays. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. And all of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations and delivered with conversation-based teaching. The app is super user-friendly and so much fun. I love the little games, and I love how you immediately start with conversation. We've talked about this over and over again, where with other apps or even just in school that you start learning like the names of objects that you don't need to know right now. Whereas with Babbel, you really start with conversation. You're like, hey, how are you? My name is this. Like it's actual things that you need to know. 
like Donna said, that conversation-based teachings. A study from Yale, Michigan State University, and some others proved that Babel is better. One study found that using Babel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. And with over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babel is a real language learning for real conversations. Also, not even talking about the holidays. Look, people are always wanting to find a new job, get a promotion, do all the things. And you know what helps with that is being bilingual. So why not help yourself get that promotion, get that new job, have another skill that can set you apart? Absolutely. And here's a special limited time deal for you. Get started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription if you go to babbel.com slash creep. Again, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash creep. And that's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep. Rules and restrictions that may apply, but this is a special limited time deal just for you. So head on over to babbel.com slash creep for 55% off your subscription. Y'all, Tushy is back. And you know what? Relaxing dumps are great. But dealing with the aftermath, not so much. Wiping only spreads poop around. But look, give yourself the ultimate clean and turn your bathroom into a personal oasis just like mine with the refreshing stream of clean water from a Hello Tushy bidet. Look, we know I'm a toilet paper girl, but there are some instances that toilet paper just won't cut it, okay? Bidet all the way which is literally every time my booty hits a toilet. Yes, Carrie is a bidet girl through and through. Bidet babe. I'm telling you, you never feel so clean. And even if you're using wet wipes, you're still smearing the poop around, okay? So also, you're introducing nasty chemicals to your booty. And you will flood your house from experience. Even if it says flushable, you will flood your house. Mine flooded. From the main line, you will flood your house. Yeah, we can't tell you when it'll happen, but we can tell you it will happen. Because it did. To me. Hence the bidets. But Hello Tushy bidets are super easy. Do not get caught up in the fact that it's water coming from a toilet. Because it's not coming from your toilet bowl. There is an attachment that is super easy to do. It attaches to your existing toilet. You do not need any electricity. All you got to do is you hook it up to the water source that is already there and you are getting clean water that is spraying your undercarriage. You've heard us talk about how good it is for cleaning your poop chute, but it's good for your other chutes too. It really is. And also sometimes, okay, this is going to get personal. Like, I mean, we've already been personal, but sometimes wiping too much just hurts and you can't do it. And on those days, a bidet is the only way to go. The very first time that I got a stomach virus with my Hello Tushy bidet, never been happier to have a bidet because you don't have the raw ass. And remember, you don't need a special degree to hook this up. It's really easy. You can hook it up in like eight minutes. Hello Tushy bidet comes with a 30-day hassle-free return and a 12-month warranty. So join the over 1 million real pooping humans who have made the switch. Head on over to hellotushy.com slash creep for 15% off all bidets. All of them. And Hello Tushy is offering y'all creepsters an exclusive limited time offer of 15% off your first bidet order plus free shipping. 
So go to hellotushy.com forward slash creep for 15% off all bidets. So again, hellotushy.com, enter code creep at checkout, and you're going to get 15% off and free shipping. Okay, so following suit, mine's a recommendation as well. It's from Facebook, so shout out to Olivia C. And also, Olivia was one of those people who shared their Spotify wrapped. And I'm like, you know what? It's just meant to be because I had already selected this to be the story for this week. Anyway, so on Facebook, she was basically, this is not verbatim, but like, go watch this Ghost Adventures episode because it's got some creepy shit. And of course, I was like, bet. So, ma'am, you are too old to say bet. I know. But (laughs) anyway, this episode is about Idaho State Reform School. So before we get into the hauntings, you know we got to go over some history, just like Carrie gave us. This is located in St. Anthony, Idaho. It started out as Idaho Industrial Reform School, and it went through several different names throughout the years. And there's not a lot of history like the other places I've covered. And so I will say a lot of this is coming from Ghost Adventures, but I did listen to a podcast called Historical Haunting as a source too. And then I have some newspaper clippings. All right. So the Idaho State Reform School ended up being comprised of orphans, runaways, and quote, wayward youth. Now, all the residents at this school, they were pretty much there against their will. You know, and I think they were actually referred to as inmates. Um, And that's just wild to me because like your family left you. Now you're an inmate here. It just seems harsh, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I said, I couldn't find a lot of things. So I don't know. Sometimes it's like, does that scream cover up that I didn't see a lot of the information from the school? Or is it just not as bad as Zach makes it out to be? Who knows? Like, I have no doubt that there was shit going on in this reform school because these people were, quote, inmates and, you know, they didn't want to be there and they were just kind of considered as discarded people. So the vast majority of the employees probably saw them that same way and didn't treat them with any decency. But I don't know if it was as bad as some of the asylums and stuff I've covered before. I don't know. But that being said, I do have some documented cases of abuse. There was a newspaper article that said one of the superintendents had used, you know, too heavy of a force when punishing some boys. And then another news clipping we'll get to in a minute. So this property was just kind of like the asylums that I have covered where it's on a big plot of land, maybe not as big as Carrie's family's whole thing. In her story, like thousands of acres, but it's still a big piece of land and it had several different buildings. So it was like girls dorm, guys dorm, infirmary, you know, that kind of thing. I'm just thinking about that article that said that he used too firm of a hand. That means he beat them probably mercilessly. Yeah. Like, let's not mince words here. Let's call a spade a spade. He didn't, whatever the fuck it just said. (laughs) Well, On this property, there's also a cemetery, and there's 22 graves in it. Now, all the residents who died there and no one was there to claim their body, um, they were buried here. Now, on Ghost Adventures, Zach said they died under suspicious circumstances. 
And some probably did. I don't know. I just feel like no one claimed them and shit. So things just weren't documented. So we'll never know Mm -hmm. if it was all suspicious, if it was a flu epidemic or, you know, whatever. But we do know about one death. So remember that article I mentioned? We're going to talk about that now. And there was a documented suicide that occurred there. Hope Kashan, I think is how you say her last name. She was 14 years old. And the newspaper in the Post Register thought it needed to be pointed out that she was Mexican. So there's that. And she had been committed to the reform school in 1939. And she was there for, quote, general delinquency. Now, she was only there for a year and then she was paroled. But in that same year, so now we're at 1940, she was back because she had broken parole. But now, flash forward, it is May 18, 1941, and she was found by a matron of the school. And I'm not real sure what that is. I think like a teacher slash officer slash, I don't know, like a caregiver kind of an employee that was a woman. (laughs) That's what a matron is, okay? But this matron couldn't get into Hope's room, and so she called for assistance. And with their powers combined, they forced the door open. And what was causing the door to be jammed was that Hope had hanged herself with a belt tied to the door's transom. So, you know, the window above the door Mm -hmm. sometimes, like in old, like, yeah, houses, but I feel like libraries and stuff had them too. Some schools do too. Yeah. So in the newspaper, they said that they weren't going to look any further into Hope's death because they believed that she was, quote, brooding over the trouble that she and another female resident had gotten into. So they were separated. And I don't know if they were roommates or what, but they were separated And this is the room that Hope was placed in. Now, the superintendent said that Hope was, quote, neurotic and emotionally unbalanced, and that a lot of that was due to an unhappy home life. So some other officers were like, yeah, Hope was always being dramatic and like threatened to die by suicide. And it's just kind of like they were astonished that she went through with it. And I'm like, hello, several cries for help, anything? Yeah, but... That was seen as like her crying wolf because she didn't actually do it. I'm not saying that's right, but that's how things were viewed. Hell, even still now, but especially back then. Right. So it's been through several different owners who use the building for homes. And kind of like your story where separate families would live in these buildings at the same time on this property. So there was this woman named Aronley Gould. And she left a comment on this website and she was like, I lived here in the infirmary building during the 1980s. She said she and her family lived there for six years, during which many times people would stop by and tell them their personal experiences and stories. And she said that one lady stopped by and told them that she was researching the place and, you know, she had like discovered some about the, quote, inmates. And uh, she had said, like, she read about this young girl who was sent to the reform school in the early 1900s because both of her parents had passed away. And so she did rebel a bit. 
And she ran off to Montana to get married. But her brother was like, fuck no, you're coming back here and placed her in the reform school. And then a girl who was in solitary because she had tried to run away before, that didn't stop her. She jumped out of the third story window to get away and she broke her leg. But she was determined to leave. So she kept going and made it pretty far before they found her and, of course, forced her to return. Now, Iran Lee said that her family also experienced some hauntings. So one day she was looking through something and she found popcorn kernels in an old sink in one of the buildings. And she was like, the fuck is this? But that's when her daughters were like, okay, so we saw this doctor and he said that if we want a popcorn whenever we want it, all we have to do is plant these kernels in this sink and they would sprout. And again, they could have unlimited popcorn. That sounds like you're heaven. Right? And Aron Lee was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, he shows up around the old sink. He's very nice. And then another ghost was of a young girl who would be seen running the halls. And other times you could hear her phantom footsteps. And there was also someone that, you know, I guess they would call a matron, an older lady who has been seen going in and out of rooms at night like she was doing bed checks. And now this might be related to the girl who jumped out of the third story window. I'm not sure. But there is an apparition of a girl who is seen looking out that third story window of the main building. And in another building, there's a man who was dressed in what the daughters believed to be a janitorial uniform, like a work uniform. That's how they described him to their mom. And they were like, this man always has a young boy. He's 13. And they just kind of like warned them to not go into that building because it wasn't safe. And, you know, they just really thought these people were people, like the daughters. So Aron Lee was also on Ghost Adventures. And she said that she had always been in tune with the spirit world. But when they moved in the infirmary, she was like, nope, this is way too much. I got to cut this off. Which reminded me about that psychic that we've talked about before on the Lifetime show where she like puts the hat on yes. to cut off that. Uh, but she was like, I have daughters to raise, you know, so I cannot be dealing with all the things that are in this building. Now, Aron Lee's daughters, Shandy and Jamie, they were also on the episode and they confirmed that they did play with a little ghost girl who they thought was the neighbor's kids. Shandy was like, um, my sister was kind of mean when we were kids and she locked me in a cupboard one time and the doctor spirit had come, unlocked the cabinet and got her down. And how they know he's a doctor, he was an older man who wore glasses with gray hair and he wore a white coat like a doctor. But it, I mean, it makes sense because they're in the infirmary. Aron Lee said that one time she was standing there washing dishes in the sink and her two daughters were on the floor just playing with like a bouncy ball thing. And they were just laughing and having fun. And Aron Lee was like, what is so funny? Are you laughing at me? Like, what's going on? You're like, y'all are having way too much fun with a fucking bouncy ball. But like, cool. And that's when they were like, the girl's bouncing the ball. And Aron Lee's like, what girl? And they were like, the girl right here, like who lives on this property with us, like, and it wasn't weird because there were different families 
who lived on the property, you know? Yeah. But Iran Lee's like, a ghost? And she's like, I don't see anyone. And they're like, yeah, she's right here. And so that was kind of like a telltale thing. Like, oh, shit, her daughters have not been seeing real people. They're ghosts. Can you imagine being like, oh, okay, cool. So the person that my kid's been playing with this whole time isn't actually fucking real. Right? Now, another person commented on that same website, and his name was David Nelson. And he said that he had been a resident of the reform school. And I don't know if he like ran away or what, but he was returned to the reform school in 1965. And that's when he learned that one of the guys he considered a friend, Clay Patrick, who was 16, had passed away. He didn't want to do any of the work duty that he was assigned. And so he drank disinfected soap. But he thought like, oh, okay, I'll just be, you know, rushed to the infirmary and I don't have to work right now, which just shows his age, you know, but he died. The nurses and the kids who like clean the clinic and stuff, uh, they would see Clay's ghost in the tub that was used to clean the incoming boys and he would be bathing himself. And to me, that just made me think like he was trying to return to the school like I'll be better this time. Yeah. You know, and just cleansing himself, so to speak. So that's just my opinion. But that like just broke my heart. But now on to another family who has owned it. And that's the Olson family. So Doug and Marilyn Olson purchased the property in 2013. They're originally from Southern California, but they wanted their kids to grow up in a different environment, which brought them to Idaho and this property. Now, they hadn't heard all the stories and stuff, but they started to experience some things. But really, they just thought this was going to be a great place to raise their kids. Now, one of their sons, Barrett, he's married to a girl named Demi, and they live on the property too. And they were also on the Ghost Adventures episode. So right when the crew arrived at the house, they were getting out of their car, and there was a bike by the driveway on its kickstand. But before their very eyes, it was like something grabbed it and threw it against the fence. And it wasn't just like, oh, it was sitting there and then, you know, like it was too heavy for the kickstand and it like kind of toppled over. Like, no, it literally hit the fence and was like had so much force that it had messed up the fence a little bit. And they were like, yeah, no, we just fucking saw this too. So the crew brought it up to Barrett and Demi and they were like, yeah, things like that happen all the time. So Zach was like asking about the bike because in his mind, it's like something didn't like something about that bike. And maybe it's a person who rides a bike that they don't like or something. Well, it turns out that belongs to Magnum, who is Barrett's brother who has autism spectrum disorder. Now, Zach, I I say this with a grain of salt because I don't know, but Zach said he's actually done some research about a link between autism and spirit interaction. Basically, like they can connect with the spirits And I guess it's kind of how we talk about any neurodivergent person who's like more in tune Mm -hmm. with the world around them. And like we say kids can, you know, communicate with spirits easier and all of that. So maybe that's true. I don't know. I have not seen any research from Zach on that, but he said it and he did seem very interested. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I feel like within the realm of possibility, if you truly do believe in the spiritual world that someone who 
maybe can't communicate with this world could with another. Oh, very true. Now, Magnum, he has had a lot of interactions with the spirits on this property. He was locked in solitary confinement, like one of the rooms once. And when they found him, he said that he was in there and the door just shut. And no matter what he did, how hard they had tried for a while, like it just wouldn't come open until like, you know, someone decided to let it be open. I was going to say the spirit was ready for him to come out. Yeah. Magnum then said that there are two children's spirits, one girl and one boy who are in the infirmary and they mess with him a lot. He said one time he was trying to mow and they wouldn't leave him alone. And, you know, and so Zach asked about the bike and Magnum was like, yeah, those two children can't really mess with me on the bike because there's another ghost girl who lives in my room who's kind of my protector. And she doesn't let them do anything when I'm riding. I guess that's nice of her to protect him. Right? Well, Zach's like, okay, so she lives in your room? And Magnum's like, yeah, under my bed. And, you know, I mean, he likes talking to her. She's nice. You know, never anything mean with her. And then she is like his protector against these other two children. But Magnum isn't the only one who's had a negative experience. Demi, the wife of Barrett, she was once bitten, twice shy. I I was just about to say that. I mean, okay, not that, because I didn't know that was the exact words, but close. (laughs) But yeah, she was once bitten. And there's a picture, and you can see that it looks like teeth marks on her arm. And there's like three or four spots. And she said she was getting ready for work. And it was right when she had moved in. And she felt something like kind of hurting, you know, kind of like when people say they get scratched and like something, they can feel something, but they don't go like, huh, I was just scratched. And it's going to leave three marks, you know, like you don't think that. But when she got outside, she saw the marks on her arm. And she said, like, you could feel the like the small teeth, like the little grooves. Now, Barrett hasn't really had any harmful experiences, but he has been scared multiple times when he's walking down the halls because, you know, like in maximum security prisons and asylums, how they'll have that like little slit in the door so they can look through. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't matter how many times this has happened. It always scares him because he'll be walking down the hall and a face will randomly appear in one of those little windows in the door. I thought you were going to say it would randomly, like, open. Oh, shit. Yeah. They didn't have this. So, like, those people just didn't have privacy. Like, it wasn't one of those. It was just a window. So, the first night, they had Aronley and her two daughters back. And they did some spirit box stuff in the infirmary where they had lived. And they were asking questions, like, the two girls. And, like, do you remember us? Or, like, do you want to play? And there was some muffled words. And Shandy was like... Are you the doctor? And it spoke again, but just kind of like garbled, you know. But now at this time, Robert Bacon, who is Zach's assistant, was outside kind of freaking out. He said that someone had punched the passenger side's window of the car he was in. And he thought like someone needed him. 
probably honestly thinking, oh, great, Zach's possessed again. But like, for real, though. <laughs> I feel like he's used to that level of violence, but okay. <laughs> so he rolled down the window to talk to be like, yo, what's going on? But no one was there. So he got out with his flashlight just to see like, all right, who's playing a joke on me? You know, like whatever. But he couldn't find anything or anyone. And again, this is when they're actually getting, you know, like speech on the spirit box. Now, when they reviewed the spirit box sessions and they slowed down the voice a little bit, the crew believes that the doctor said, gonna hurt you and you need to go home. And they told the Gold family this and they were like, okay, so this morning, like last night, early this morning, um, their dad went into the hospital and he was at work and he couldn't breathe. So he went into the doctor and his oxygen was at a level 67. Ooh. Yeah. And he ended up having five blood clots in one lung and six in the other. And so they were all like, uh, that wasn't like a warning that spirit was going to hurt you. Like when it was like going to hurt you, you need to go home. It was like, you need to go home because something's going to happen. Kind of like the doctor was helping out Shandy and Jamie all of those years ago, you know. Now, during their big investigation, like just the crew, they were upstairs where Hope had died by suicide. And on the other side of that hall is Magnum's apartment that he lives in. Now, they did use like a trigger object of like candy in a bowl and they had like a ball or something. And they ask Hope to come out of her room. And as if on cue, there's one of those damn stick figures on the SLS camera. And they said it was about four feet tall. I just don't buy that it happens just like that. Like, there's no way that all of that happens boom, 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 boom like that. If you truly believe in spirits and all that they do and all that, like, they don't just respond like that. That's not how this works. You know exactly how it works. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we went to that place and that's not how it did it. (laughs) (laughs) one time we go to Pioneer Farms I'm like they're not just gonna answer you because you ask the spirits aren't like oh it's Zach we gotta answer (laughs) this is for TV (laughs) well I mean it is hours edited down yeah but they're not there days upon days upon days upon days yeah well then Zach made Aaron go upstairs to an attic and I saw later in an interview with uh, David Olson, the owner, that he had said, like, that attic, it had been, like, shut up by, like, when it was still a working place and everything. Um, So it's kind of like a time capsule. When they tore into the sheetrock, it was like, oh, wait, okay, there is something up here. Like, you know, and they went in and saw all the old stuff and all the things. So... Of course, Zach made Aaron go up there. And now Zach and Billy went to check out Magnum's place. Now, their batteries instantly drained while they were investigating there. But at the same time, the TV came on by itself. And then at that same time, even the Carrie, it's like, this doesn't work like that. But they're over here, electronic shits going all like, you know, whatevs. And Aaron gets his ear grabbed randomly. And so he's like talking to the ovulus and he is like, it's saying words, you know, and it said girl and then it said electric. Now that didn't mean anything to him. But at that same time, when it said electric, the shit was going down with Zach and Billy. Now there's other things that happen like orbs being captured and 
Jay was at the nerve center and the door kept opening and closing by itself. Also, when Aaron was alone in the attic, he heard a girl's voice come over the box and he was like, Hope, is that you? And then he said, who else is in the room? And the girl's voice said, Aaron. So it just, again, seemed to be like an intelligent haunting. Now, while Zach and Billy investigated the infirmary where, you know, those two kids that seemed to be a little evil live, um, both of their backs, like they said their spine started to hurt and they felt really cold chills. There was also some light anomalies happening. So again, everything just went to intelligent activity going on. There's some residual activity, sure, but every time that they would like ask for something, something would respond. Now, again, when I was looking for more information, I did see that the Olsons that live there, they're now offering a haunted house attraction on site there. And they do it year round by appointment. But during October, there's a staff there and it's like all month long. And their whole thing is like, this isn't just in a warehouse. This is actually a historic building that has a lot of, you know, things going on and it has real hauntings. And so that's just going to add to the, you know, the fear and the excitement, kind of like that Asylum 49 that I did that was in the hospital. David said the first year they had it open, you know, they had gotten new staff and, you know, everyone was super excited. Well, they were like running through some stuff. And then the new staff was like, holy fuck. And they ran out and they were like, um, there was a little girl. She is not part of the staff. Like we know she is not one of us. And she was dressed like in a little white dress. And they were like, nope, this is really haunted. I'm not. Mm-mm, nope, not doing it. And so David said now it's in their contract because a lot of them quit after that, that like, hey, this is haunted and like you have to abide by the rules and you cannot quit just because it's haunted. Right. Like you literally you're signing up for a haunted place. You can't quit because you get scared. Right. And that is the Idaho State Reform School. And like I said, A lot of the history isn't available, so I don't know what really went on or anything. But I mean, again, we can all assume that things did go on there. And, you know, it's just so sad that these people who were there mostly against their will, like no one said, oh, yeah, let me go here. My parents left me or my parents died. Let me just go here. You know, they were sent there. And then also, then you had people who were there because of bad behavior. And so you just have a mixture of like bad behavioral things. And then people who just had their families pass away or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, or if they seemed weird to their families and they sent them over there because it was kind of like an orphanage, you know, out of sight, out of mind, like you go here. So it's just like, you can only imagine that mixture of people, it's not going to be good, you know, because people are going to people. Well, before we talk about your story anymore, we got to talk about apostrophe. The holiday season is just around the corner and with it comes gift giving, lots of great food, and of course, family holiday portraits. And we have all had those pictures where we just look at it and we go, woof. 
Isn't that what he said on Home Alone? <laughs> yeah. well, was his girlfriend. <laughs> yes. You know, I do that a lot when I'm like, why didn't y'all tell me about X, Y, and Z? Why did y'all not tell me this? Well, there are some things that you can't control about the holidays or even how you look in that picture. Maybe you sneezed. But what you can control is your skin. Which will help you feel confident and camera ready for those photos. And so that's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, aging, acne scarring, any of the above or all of the above, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. So what is Apostrophe? It is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team, and they're going to give you a customized treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear your acne or fine lines or any other skin problems that you may be having. Apostrophe, through their online platform, connects you with that expert dermatology team to help you figure out what's best for you. And you know what? You don't have to go to a doctor's office for this. You simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals, your medical history. You snap a few selfies. They don't have to be perfect because they want to see your skin. So don't use filters or any of that. Like They want the real, raw, honest skin so they can help you feel more confident in that so you don't have to have filters. So anyway, you do all that, which doesn't take long. Trust me, we've done it. And a dermatology provider will create a customized treatment plan just for you. And when you get your products, they're so cute. It comes with a postcard and then stickers so you can personalize your bottles. I really liked to do like, this is my AM regimen. This is my PM regimen. That way, you know, it's just cute little things just to make it more aesthetically pleasing. Yes. And again, self-care comes in many different ways. And if that sticker helps you, that sticker helps you. You know what helps me? Apostrophe, because I do have hyperpigmentation. I do have dark spots and I do have fine lines and wrinkles. Girl, and I've got the breakouts and the rosacea pulling up the caboose. (laughs) And with all of that, Apostrophe has our back and it can have yours because you might have back knee. And right now, we got a special deal for you. You will get your first visit for only $5 when you go to apostrophe.com slash creep and use the promo code creep. That's a savings of $15. And of course, this code's only available to y'all. So again, go to apostrophe.com slash creep, click get started, then use our code creep at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. And also, you don't have to go to a pharmacy. They're going to ship your product to your door. And then you get to personalize it with stickers. And who doesn't love stickers? Nobody. So head on over to apostrophe.com slash creep, click get started, and then use the promo code creep at sign up to get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. So your story reminds me of, because you know I've been on the call the midwife kick. Yeah. (laughs) But there was an episode that we watched the other day where um which i love that colby's watching this with you yes but a baby was born with down syndrome and in the episode they were still working out some very outdated terminology you know that you would be like appalled if i even repeated it now and which you should be that's the point but you know they were just trying to work out in the episode because the family was like 
do I have to send them to a school? Like the school like you mm-hmm. were talking about. And they're like, no, you don't have to. They can stay home with you. Like this is going to be the most loving and caring and, you know, person for you. And the family was just trying to kind of figure out because things were so different back then where if someone had any type of disability, like on another episode, call the midwife because I'm obsessed. I can't remember what the medication was, but a kid was born with no limbs, no arms and no legs because the mom had taken a medication when she was pregnant that like was this it was it happened to like hundreds of thousands of babies. And in the episode, they were saying that she the little girl was put in special classes at school with people with like developmental delays because even then they thought it was the same thing. Yeah. So it's just like, first of all, neither is bad. Right. But she was a typically developing child developmentally as far as like social skills and cognition and that sort of thing. She just physically wasn't the same as her peers, you know? Yeah. And so it's just how far we've come and yet how far we still have to go. Obviously, I mean, people still say the R word. So, and I don't mean roach. Oh, you didn't have to say that one either. I know, but I just had to, I mean, you have your own R word, Donna. So we have to to be clear. I know. It's weird that both of ours happen like on like families, on big pieces of land, multiple buildings. I mean, yours had murder and murder and murder. But yours may have too. We don't know. That's true. Yours could have had neglect and abuse that's, I don't know, so pervasive in those types of situations. Yes. Well, thank you all so much for sending in these recommendations, Olivia and Donna. Yes. I mean, Olivia, I love your name, but Donna has my heart. God, I knew that was coming. (laughs) I was like, I wonder when she's going to say something about her name being wonderful. (laughs) I saved it till the end. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. Hopefully you all enjoyed these stories. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things, and remember, creep it real and don't don't get scared. scared.